0: It is Tuesday, February 18, 2020, and coming up, we'll recap the NBA All-Star Weekend and tell you who won and who lost, and everything else from Chicago. Also, we'll get to the bottom of the internet's latest controversy, plus some shockingly topical Eagles talk, and we're not (laughs) talking about the ones from Philadelphia. All that and more. This is The Tune-Up. Come on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the mayor of Jersey City himself. It's Benny Horowitz.
1: Woo! That's probably my worst one, right? That's nice. I'll take the mayor. The mayor? But the what mayor. if the mayor listens? You think
0: Phillips out here as one of our subscribers every single Tuesday? I see him
1: around town <laughs> oh. a lot. And what's funny is we follow each other on Twitter. Yeah. Just for anyone who doesn't live around here, I'm talking about Stephen Phillips, the mayor of Jersey City. And... Uh, we follow each other on Twitter, and we've had a little interaction. He once tried to get Gaslight Anthem to play the Jersey City July Fourth celebration. Oh my! And uh, and I've seen him around quite a few times. Like like, and we definitely recognize each other, but no one will break the seal.
0: <laughs> How do you break the seal without a politician like I that? That's not like a benefit.
1: See, that's where I'm afraid of it. Is like, you feel I, like you'll be corrupted by. Kind need of. Money. It's almost like I like am so far away from that world, and I always have been. I kind of don't want to go near it at all. Like I don't even want a politician friend. I don't want anybody on the inside. Like I need to stay on the outside of that. Like all together, you know.
0: No, see, Benny, I feel like you're 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 using this clout all wrong. You got to <laughs> go the John Bon Jovi route, and then next thing you know, you're owning a arena football team
1: in Philadelphia. Listen. When you're leading things such as the Underground Resistance, <laughs> you can't have these ties, Denny. Hey. You can't have the
0: Philadelphia <laughs> have Soul have in ties. your back you pocket. You can't have these Ron ties.
1: Jaworski having you on speed dial. <laughs> you can't have that?
0: <laughs> All right, Benny, because we can't go from cold takes to hot takes, it's time for our Don't Fuck This Up person or thing of the week. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me.
1: And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't fuck this up for me.
0: Don't fuck it up. Fix, 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 fix.
1: So, I mean, this guy's been highlighted everywhere for the obvious reasons. Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball Commissioner, having a rough couple weeks, Mm no? And... He was just quoted as saying that he did not punish the players involved in this scandal because he wanted to leave the determination up to the fans, provide them with the facts. Well, let me tell you something, Rob. Everyone determined that no penalty was a huge mistake. And this is obviously going to haunt the season and Major League Baseball moving forward for a very long time. And instead of talking about Mike Trout and Garrett Cole and the Yankees and Mookie Betts and a setup for an epic Dodgers Yankees World Series I'm talking about Jose Altuve's collarbone which I'm not excited about sexy (laughs) so I'm not stoked I'm worried about the sport in general uh Rob Manfred you're fucking it up pretty bad man you're on watch Hold on.
0: Rob Manfred is also not fucking it up because Major League Baseball is the most profitable sports league in this country with BAM tech and all that stuff and the networks and all that stuff. So he's making the owners money. The owners are his boss. Therefore, I guess he's not fucking it up. But for baseball fans, always definitely messing it up 100%. A
1: couple stadiums might have some crickets this year. (laughs) I think it's time to uh, bring about full contact baseball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My Don't Fuck This Up Person of the Week kind of ties into our first topic that we'll get to in in a second. Going to bring it to All-Star Weekend and Benny. All-Star Weekend was in Chicago. Sure was. I had some co-workers out there. It was sub-zero temperatures. Mm -hmm. And the next few years, the All-Star Game is going to be in the dazzling vacation spots of Cleveland. Lovely. Indianapolis. Lovely. And Salt Lake City. Huh. What's Not, up with the lake towns? Yeah, right. It's like I feel like because they're like trying to be like we love Middle America as much as the coast. Uh-huh, they're they're uh-huh. on this whole journey. But let, Adam Silver, you do a lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff. Sure, have really elevated the league. But come on, there are six cities that the All Star Game should stick to. Okay, Miami. Yes. New Orleans. Yes. Las Vegas. Yes. Los Angeles. Yes. Phoenix, Atlanta, and Phoenix. That's it. Sounds Six. nice. Six. Sounds nice.
1: Warm weather. I love that you said Miami, but no Orlando. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I mean, what what are they going to do? Play at the Wide World of Sports Complex in Disney? <laughs> you even gave Atlanta. Orlando was smack between yeah, Atlanta and Miami. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 Orlando in here. Listen, I love going to Disney. Sure, but I mean, for for the people that are going to have to try to make their way to the
1: Amway Center, it's not exactly the best time. Well, I bet the players are going to be sharp when they go to Salt Lake, at least. You know you know what I think? Every time I go to Salt Lake, you're driving into that city. It's just flat. There's nothing going on for hundreds of miles. And then you just see, like, a giant mountain range. And every time I'm driving to Salt Lake, it looks to me that the Frontier, Frontier's men and women were in their uh, horse-drawn wagons. They had gone many thousands of miles. God knows what they had run into. And they saw this mountain range, and they just went, We're done. Fuck it. (laughs) We're staying. And I'm pretty sure that's how Salt Lake started. It was just people who were like, Nope, I'm not taking this one. We're not crossing another one. We're stopping here. They have a lake. There's salt. That's fine.
0: It's like when you played... Oregon Trail and you get to the part where you have to cross the river <laughs> yeah. and they're like, You died of dysentery. Yeah, dysentery. Everybody just
1: died of dysentery in Salt Lake City. <laughs>
0: oh man, I hope none of your bands have a show there coming up soon. I think you just alienated uh
1: I you know, I can't imagine uh too many people even from Salt Lake City being upset <laughs> about what I'm saying.
0: All right, Benny, first topic here. As I mentioned, all-Star Weekend in Chicago. A lot of things to get to. Uh, LeBron James, or excuse me, Team LeBron mm-hmm. beat Team Giannis 157-155 in a game that both of us were way wrong on the roster construction here. <laughs> uh, as, as evident by the fact that Team Giannis won the second quarter uh, 51 to 30, which is... I mean, Giannis showed out when everybody else was like, all right, I guess we're going to take it easy now. He went nuts. But the, the, the big talking point from this game is the Elam ending, or the target score. So Team Giannis was mm-hmm. up uh 133. They had 133 at the start of the fourth quarter. And by this new rule to honor Kobe Bryant, they added 20... Whoever hit... Uh, Plus 24, 133, which is 157. I know this is way more math on the (laughs) tune-up than anybody should ever tune in for. But so the score to win was 157, and it made for the most exciting fourth quarter of an all-star game I've witnessed in my lifetime. I mean, because when I really started getting into basketball, it was kind of when they were like, oh, this is just a chill homie session. Yeah, yeah. Right here. So. What do you make of the Elam ending? And that's that's not what the NBA called it because I think that's actually trademarked by the basketball tournament. Gotcha. So that you know that amateur tournament yes, where they play for two yes, million dollars. Yes. They started that. Uh, the Big Three also kind of adopted it, but the Big Three has an interesting little wrinkle to it. We have to win by two, which I right. think could have been interesting. So then you don't have a situation exactly. where they're winning at the line, but just kind of your take on this and if you like it for basketball
1: not in like serious games but in some capacity going forward uh yeah i mean i think at the very you know the the basic core of what we're looking at here is the fact that some minor alterations to the nba all-star game made it a competitive game where people actually decide to play basketball at some point in it like real basketball you know the first quarter i think there was one point i saw like literally six tosses to Ben Simmons, throwing it down. I'm like, oh, this didn't change anything. You know, this is old all-star game. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter hits, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's going on here? I'm watching, like, Joel Embiid back people down for 12 seconds. I'm watching Kyle Lowry take a charge. I'm watching Lowry take <laughs> charges. I'm watching people uh, uh, box Giannis out of the lane and, and force the ball out and do things that, like... I mean, probably people are going to use in the playoffs and and things that are actual indications for real basketball. So the fact that that just happened means that the changes were a major success. I mean, I've watched a lot of All-Star games. And besides for a few that stand out in my head, for some reason, Stefan Marbury being one of them. Uh like it is usually a fairly pointless game where by some point in the second or third quarter I'm a little like ho hum and Mm. start to get a little bored. And and this really changed that. I think you brought up the biggest issue with it, which is I was getting a little annoyed towards the end of the game watching that many fouls, people taking charges, people trying to win at the line and things like that. I mean guy like Anthony Davis a guy hasn't really played a significant NBA game in his (laughs) career yet. And that free throw might've been like the biggest shot he's taken so far. You know, I said that as, as it was happening, I was like, he's never taken
0: a bigger shot than this this yet. This is
1: huge. You know? So the fact that that existed, uh, was great, but I think that idea of maybe, uh, two points could, could be the, um, solution to fixing what happened at the very end. Um, But, I mean, did you see James Harden just run by the hoop for no reason? Could have just dunked it and threw the game down. I don't know what fucking happened there. So
0: he was going to be my don't-fuck-this-up person of the week, except he already fucked it up, and the game would have been over right there. Like, say if Team Giannis wins, I think he would have been under way more heat today than he would have been, but is he just so conditioned at this point to playing in a system... Where it's all about the math, it's all about the three over the two. That he he could have won the game and he didn't even think about it. It was just muscle memory.
1: Yeah, it's either that or just like a straight up like Chris Webber moment <laughs> where he just like totally brain farted on what they needed, you know. And I could see that happening in all star game. It's not like people are, you know, super locked into the situation. So I get it. But uh, did you see Giannis's comments afterwards, where he said? Yeah, essentially, our uh, strategy at the end of the game was to find whoever James Harden was covering and and go for them, which is some beautiful shade. I wish the Rockets had a chance to make the finals and they could see each other, I don't think.
0: Uh, You know who else really disappeared in that fourth quarter? Kemba Walker. Yeah. A lot of Celtics fans are all, all like, oh, Kyrie Irving. Like. Kemba's way better than Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's hitting those shots in the fourth sure. quarter. And my have the tables have turned right here. But Kemba Walker, not the guy you
1: want in crunch time. And this is where Jan- I mean Giannis's roster construction. This is really where it bit him yeah. in the ass, you know? Yeah. Kemba Walker is not playing that well. And then all of a sudden you have Kyle Lowry, who I don't know if you remember <laughs> two weeks ago I said shouldn't even been in the All-Star game for no, Bradley Beal. He made history. And tell me, tell me Bradley Beal wouldn't have been very useful on that team yesterday. He sure would have. But, uh, yeah, so I think there is a little nepotism from Nick Nurse that I saw that much Kyle Lowry and uh, Pascal Siakam at the end he of the game. why do that? That's
0: only going to hurt his team. They just got off of this massive win
1: streak. They're, they're, they have
0: this stretch run and a potential...
1: The Raptors got something to prove right now. I think they're really, like, the fact that they were... I mean, they were written off before yeah. the year. Like, yeah. absolutely written off. I never... I didn't see anyone rank them higher than a three or four seed going into the season. Everyone imagined they'd be a playoff team, but with a major regression. So the fact that you're talking about Toronto as an actual team that could run through the East right now, uh, I, I don't know. Every time I watch that team and hear that team talk, I think they have a pretty major chip on their shoulder because of the way they were viewed and the fact that they're like, yo, we're defending champions. Yeah you still got to get through us, you know? And and I like that. And they got some players on that team who are truly unshaken by those situations. Yeah. I got a lot of love for Fred Van <laughs> That guy's no joke.
0: There was even talk before the deadline. I know, like you said on here, that you expected them to be sellers. I did. But the main guy that I want to talk about from this All-Star game, also on Team Giannis, Joel Embiid. And he is a guy that... I can't quite figure out where his head goes sometimes. I get he thinks his best chance to be a successful score is to back people down, but it brings the game to a screeching halt every single time. And I just his his shooting isn't good enough from the field. If I'm Philadelphia and say they get to the point where they fire Brett Brown, which may very very well happen, sure. and then down the road it still hasn't gotten better. And they need to choose between either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, you have to choose Ben Simmons because the way Joel Embiid plays, he is not going to be the guy that you give the ball
1: in the final minutes of a championship game and say, go bring it home for us. doesn't look like it. I mean, but that sentiment changes really quickly. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes Embiid has a stretch where... Where he could go for 41, yeah. Where, yeah, where he is like one of the best top six, seven players in the NBA because of his skill set and size. Like, so I think Embiid just goes, everybody in the media just rides in these waves with Joel Embiid where, like, you really don't know what you're going to get night in and night out. But when that guy is on, he is one of the more dominant players in the league. I think it's just a... It's going to be really bizarre to watch what happens to that team uh, uh, moving on through the year. But what about that dunk
0: contest? Oh, yeah. Let's get into that. Come because on. that was something where it was historic. Now, it was. I kind of fall in and out of love with the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, some years I watch it, some years I don't. It all depends on who's in it. I thought Aaron Gordon added some intrigue. Obviously, oh, yeah. I was interested in my guy, Pat Connington. and the, the return of Dwight. And there, there'd there been a lot of talk on social media and through people that really like no dunking that Derrick Jones Jr. was no joke and he proved out to be sure. no joke. But in the end, he got the trophy over Aaron Gordon. People saying Aaron Gordon got robbed again. And the there are two consistent things with the both times Aaron Gordon has been robbed. He has the stronger competition on the whole when he lost to Zach Levine stronger competition on the whole and this time again stronger competition on the whole I mean he was doing crazy things but the argument for Derek Jones jr. to me doesn't make sense because yes he was impressive hit when he was lining up for his final dunk he was trying to dunk from the foul line. he was a clear foot in from the foul line. That's not nearly as impressive. That's like a nine. Now, if that's where he was trying to dunk from, I'd be like, okay, great execution, threw it down strong. But Aaron Gordon jumped over seven feet of humanity. <laughs> seven who, feet five of humanity. Who cares if he didn't clear Taco doesn't matter. Like, it's not like he kicked him in the head. Like, no. like he got over. So... Yeah. The two people that decided the dunk contest, Candace Parker knows about dunking. She's been doing it for years. She's a great analyst. I don't think many people are talking about how Chadwick Boseman decided the 2020 <laughs> NBA dunk contest. Like, like Wakanda, what? Like, get out of here, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Just because you're an actor doesn't mean... Um, we need Vince Carter to judge the dunk contest. Well, I mean, there definitely needs to be some changes. Like, I think... So I don't know how you make the changes with with a panel other than making sure you have ex-NBA players, dunkers, analysts, somebody like really understand basketball who are like I. But the NBA is so good at a, you know, molding celebrity with the game and things like that. Like, you know, they want stuff like that and it does help. But it's it's a few years now. uh, It's turning into one of those things It wasn't only Aaron Gordon in 16, but Iguodala a couple years before that, who I thought was a clear winner who didn't win. Um, And even though it's a dunk contest, a simulation, it actually bothers me, you know, like just for the like these things, you know, if you're a a sports fan long enough, like like there are some names from the 80s and 90s that I would never remember if they didn't win dunk contest. You know what I mean? Kenny Skywalker (laughs) and Cedric Sabalos Mm. and like guys like this. And it actually means something to the overall narrative of the game. So I want, I want the clear favorite. I want the person who won to win. Yeah. I think I have a solution. Okay. And I think it's a lot of fun. So, like they were given. Sli- save this for dollar slice. No, no I got I another one, one for that. Got another one for that. So I, I had no problem with them handing out fifties to both of these guys. Yeah. They were pretty perfect dunks. They were executed well. They were original. Even though I thought Gordon had probably the two best dunks of the night, which I think should be weighted in somehow. Yeah. But this is what you do. Instead of that last round where you had him go back and forth again, you say, that's it. No more dunks. Open up the fan voting. Okay. Five minutes online. You show a moving graph on the screen of where the votes are coming in, just like an election. (laughs) You know they have the capability of doing this. Mm. People are obsessed with the numbers and the fantasy sports anyway. You let them have an online vote, and boom, that determines your winner, everybody watching the competition. But the thing that was also a problem was, did you notice Reggie Miller and everybody who's announcing the dunk competition, before that last round, they go, this is a tie. Yeah, it's a tie. It's a tie. This has to be a tie. This has to be a tie. That's a weak move. And I Wayne have Wayne to imagine the, same the thing. people from the NBA were just like, yo, shut the fuck up. You're <laughs> killing us right now. Because because even like I'm sitting at home going like, yeah, yeah, this should be a tie. This should be a tie. But no one from the NBA or the dunk contest or anything said we're even considering this being right. a tie. And then and so I really think that was kind of an issue, too. They really didn't play that very well. I've got my own. Way of deciding the dunk contest, late right? Wait on, on me. So you get to the final
0: dunk and they both get 50s, right? Then it becomes kind of like a game of horse. The other person has to do the dunk that the other uh, person did. Okay. And they need to match, get the same score or better to stay a- alive. It's not right? bad. It's not so bad. So then you do that once for each person. Say, say Aaron Gordon does that dunk over. Taco fall, uh-huh. right? And Derek Jones has yeah, to jump and, over taco yeah, fall. Yeah, Derek Jones has to dumb jump over taco fall. What if
1: taco falls not down though?
0: Yeah, well, to
1: do <laughs> to, to to do it again. Like is bobin here? Is Bob here? <laughs> I really appreciated common at the beginning. I oh, thought yeah. it was great, and I thought it was very thoughtful and poetic. But I needed like 20 minutes less. Of he that. had
0: such a long day yesterday. It was a little
1: long-winded. A little long in the tooth, Common. He
0: had that, and then he had a whole other rhyme for the Legends brunch in the morning. He did. So he
1: had double duty. <sighs> he was he, Common was busy. <laughs> he had two yesterday. sets yesterday. He was busy. How much? Like I saw his wh- brow sweating. What do you think he gets for that? Like the veteran minimum? No, I like think I think two, like I think two he and, got, and a half. He got something from Chicago. He got like the key to like the underground fraternal order club that like no one knows about or something like the real underground ritzy shit that goes on in cities yeah. that people like me and you will never have access uh, to. Oh,
0: Hey, speak for yourself, Benny. Oh!
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, Benny, we've reached
0: the halfway point of the podcast, which means it's time for our dollar slice take of the week.
1: So, you know, I got I got some traveling coming up, some traveling with kids. And it's, you know, it's it's a challenge bringing kids on an airplane. And I even remember before I had kids, you know, it's this idea in your head that you're just like, yo, can you fucking handle your shit? Like, handle your fucking kid. If I had a kid, I wouldn't let him do that. Blah, blah, blah. And then you wind up being a parent, and your baby's just, like, going nuts on a plane, and you're just like, there's literally fucking nothing I could do. Like, this is crazy. All I could do is, like, lock them in the bathroom and hope that it's, you know, or <laughs> something. So, why don't, why don't they have kid planes? You know, like... Oh, like that's s- Say, from, like, you know, not, not everywhere, but, you know, Newark to Orlando, Newark to California, like, the places that would have a lot of, like, family travel, and one flight a day is just a kid plane. You have child entertainment, child food, nap times, a couple more changing stations, and then, most importantly, you have, like, a guilt-free flying experience because, like, that's the worst part of it for someone like me is looking around the plane and feeling this responsibility for other people's experience. Like, I hate that, you know, and it bothers me a lot. So... What do you think? Dollar Slice. It'll smell like shit on there. File
0: this one under. I can't relate to, like, <laughs> what the heck you just said there. Because, yeah, sometimes I am on, like, a plane. I'm like, oh, there's, like, a kid and it's crying. And it's not that I'm, like, not understanding. That that's got to be so hard. But, hey, I mean, I just... My theory on this is, like, okay, if the glamorous of the glamorous with, like, the Concorde didn't work and flying to London from New York... If like they were like, hey, let's retire that. Do you think like the children's concord's gonna work, and that people are going to continue to do it <laughs> out of convenience? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I didn't consider diaper disposal. I mean, <laughs> funny it would be enough, rough. Disney, the Walt Disney Company, used to have it. What they didn't own the airline, but it was like. A, a very strong partnership with a, the Eastern Airlines. huh And that was discussed in, like, the 80s. So, like, this concept. Okay. So, Benny, you're, you and Walt Disney. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> 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 All right, Benny, my dollar slice take of the week. So, many people this past weekend celebrated Valentine's Day. Yes. And I think I have a way to keep people out of the doghouse in perpetuity. Oh. Forever. Forever. And it off air, we were talking about movie theaters and like these programs where you pay a certain amount a month and you get uh, X amount of movies that you can go to see. There's discounts and stuff like that. I think it would serve a lot of men really well if there was a flower program Mm. where they send flowers to your partner's work and you pay like 20 bucks a month and you'll like every other week on a Friday. There's a vase of roses or something sitting there. You get the brownie points. You're kind of saving a little bit of money because it's more like you're buying in bulk. Keeps you out of the doghouse. And, you know, I just think it makes life a lot better for everybody involved. She's happy. She can post it on the Gram Flower Club. I don't know what the heck you call it, but I feel like it would do a lot of people a lot of good.
1: I think it's strong, but I think it's very male. Okay, and so then and what? Th- what is the other side of this business? Well, the other side of the business is it's. it's see, Danny, what you're Ricker missing here. Already no, exists. What, what you're missing here is it's not always about the flowers. It's about what it takes to get the flowers. It's about getting the flowers, arranging the flowers, the note, the things that go into giving. So if if she even has an idea that all you did was sign up for some service and gave him your credit card. And then it's just showing up, you know, the uh, it just it, it gets ugly fast. I think after two or three of these flower arrangements coming, but she's <laughs> going to get a little ho-hum. And then and then to top it off, you're removing flowers from like anything you could ever give again. Yeah. You, you blew your watt with flowers. <laughs> Too many flowers. See, you know? most people have to do it that way.
0: Most people, they order online and it goes straight to their work. Me, on the other hand. I got to walk yeah. down the block.
1: Here we go down I got to walk down
0: the block and carry it home. Yeah. So I'm putting in that sweat equity, but I'm just saying for those <laughs> people that don't have a flower shop right down the street, this is a great idea. And I think the thought still counts.
1: Um, My wife even knows now when I buy the street flowers. Oh, when I buy the flowers from from Homie on Grove Street, very nice guy. He's out there in the cold. His name's actually Homie, by the very way. Very cheap. You know, he's got five dollar bouquets, ten dollar bouquets. You bring them home, though. You put them in water, and the water changes colors because the flowers are dyed. That's how they keep them <laughs> that fucking color for so long. So you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of minutia to the flower game. Sure is. All right, Benny, second half of the podcast, which means
0: we go to the top of the fold. I didn't know this until I was uh, drunkenly about New York City on a <laughs> Friday night, celebrating Valentine's Day, that the Eagles were playing Madison Square Garden. Hell froze over. And I was curious about, you know, sometimes when when bands play and they have a show, I I like to look at what the the set list is. Sure, sure. And I was kind of appalled when I saw that they opened and closed with Hotel California. Yeah. yeah. Keep in mind, they are on the Hotel California tour. Sure. But I'm curious about two things here. Yeah. Lay it on me. Are rock and rollers allowed to be senile and maybe they just (laughs) forgot or is this a legitimate marketing tactic? For the Hotel California tour.
1: So, it's hard to say, okay? I do have an opinion about this. I have a pretty strong opinion about (laughs) this. So, the one thing... I'll give it to the Eagles. You know, I'm looking at Setlist FM, the link you sent me. And, you know, I see the fact that they're playing a 30-song set. Which which has to, you know, clock in it somewhere around three hours. What is the longest set you've ever played? I've played a -a two-and-a-half-hour set. Damn. Which was close to 30 songs, yeah. so I, but Eagles songs are a little longer, yeah. a little more drawn out, so i got to imagine they're on stage for over three yeah. hours, which for men of their advancing age, uh, you know, like, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Um, now, I've had very little experience with the Eagles in person, but I will say this. I once recorded at a studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and maybe some members of my group were taking part in uh, smoking marijuana, okay? And <laughs> we're in this place, and a assistant of Don Henley knocks on the studio door and asks for the smoke to stop because Don Henley is requesting <laughs> that it needs to stop. <laughs> so right off the bat, and the types of people that I was with, of course, they're like fucked on Henley and just kept going. If he wants us to stop, he can come over himself and <laughs> ask. So there was a lot of like, you know, funny, uh, you know, lighthearted anti-Eagles the sentiment. Irony there is that he spent all those years with Joe Walsh. <laughs> I know, and guess who is in the studio like a day later and so cool. Oh. Stevie Nicks. Oh. How predictable. That Stevie Nicks was awesome and Don Henley was a bit of a herb, you know, <laughs> let's go there. But a 30 did song. Did you get set, the picture with Stevie Nicks? Did you? No, I didn't ask. I couldn't ask. It was did, too like natural of a situation. Did you have a conversation a, a, a short one? A brief one. Yeah. I've I've been able to speak with Stevie. I feel like Nicks. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm obligated
0: to ask what that was like.
1: It was mystical. You know what I mean? There are some people like I've met a lot of people through the years now. Some people are, like, painfully normal, you know what I mean, where you meet them and you're like, oh, that's just, like, a person Mm. who happens to be good at this and, like, I could see myself, like, having a beer with this person. Other people really do come across a different way where you're, like, there's just something about a person, you know, and it just emanates off of them, like... Uh, You know, the closest thing I had to that was when I met Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio for Mm -hmm. the first time. Someone I was a big fan of for a long time and this and that. He's the sweetest guy in the world. He really doesn't uh, present himself like that to people, but he's got, like, a thing. You know, and he walks into a bar and just, like, people turn their heads and he's just got this way. She was like that. You know what I mean? She just had this, like... And that was one of the reasons I can't ask someone like that for a picture. You know what I mean? Because I'm like... Yeah, Stevie Nicks. Like, I don't want to mess up this mystical horse that I'm meeting. This like beautiful thing. So yeah, she was kind of like that. Um, But uh, but very sweet and very open in in the first meeting, you know. Mm. Which you can never know if it's legitimate or not, you know. Like these people have spent a lot of years curating, learning how to come across as cool. So (laughs) unless I meet someone a good six times, I'm never willing to say they're great or they're bad. Because who the fuck really knows? the contrast of the first time we met was, like, night and day. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so, but anyway, so the opening and closing with Hotel California. Now, this type of thing normally is typically reserved for, like, one-hit wonders. And the only time I've really seen it in context is these sort of, uh like, the radio shows. You know, the uh, K-Rock Christmas and this, where, you know, some baby band has a single... Sometimes they don't even have a fucking album out yet, you know, and and they have like a five song set and they literally open and close with the same fucking song within like 25 minutes. And people don't care because people are at those radio shows for singles. They don't even know who these bands are anyway. They're just waiting for this single to pop on. Uh, So I've seen it in that context. And actually a funny side story (laughs) is that an incident like this nearly broke up the Gaslight Anthem once. Really, we were playing a one of these really, really corny radio shows at a, the MLS Stadium in Dallas, <laughs> and out, it was it was just just an early F-C-S. set. Yes. I forget what part of tour it was in, but just no one was having it that day. <laughs> like you know, and and we got to the place, we saw, took one look at it, we knew what kind of show it was going to be. And everyone was feeling a little salty, and we decided we're going to do a cover set just for fun. We know a lot of covers, and we decided to do a cover set. One of the other guys had an idea, oh, let's just fuck around and play 45 first and last. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) And, like, my, like... Everything went off inside of me that's like, no, 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 no. Like, I can't, even as a joke, that can never happen. Nobody here knows it's a joke. (laughs) Unless you tell them it's a joke, then still doesn't come across as a joke. And now I'm one of these corny fucking bands playing their song first and last. I can't do it. And, And I made my opinion known, but we're in a democratic group, so I was thinking I was getting outvoted, you know, and, like, walked up on stage really mad and harumphy. And luckily, Brian, who's a very empathetic character, you know, he saw it. He saw the anger coming off of me, and he pulled the plug on the idea some way midway through the set. So did you open or close with 45? I think we ended up opening. Nice. And then, yeah, yeah, closed with a cover. But anyway, back to the Eagles. Um, So they, they open with Hotel California, and then on the set, it says they closed with Hotel California Reprise. So,
0: what is this like a Broadway show? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, (laughs) and when I look through the set, there were actually three reprises through the set. So, I got to assume like they started the song, led to some like extensive noodling, probably like some really (laughs) cheesy five minute long guitar solo that led to something else. And hopefully, they tastefully got back to Hotel California at that part of the song and closed with it. If they manage to do that, I'll give this a pass. Right. If they just went up, played Hotel California (laughs) first, went through it, and then played it last, then this is a hard out. Like, you just cannot do that.
0: So you're saying, in essence, if they did a a two-and-a-half-hour song, like they started it, then they wove in all the other songs and then finished with it. That's pretty difficult. That's pretty artistic. But if it's just like you said, like oh, like how many times can you talk about having the spirits here since 1969? Exactly.
1: Exactly. So I, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna hold back on the Eagles here. I mean, they're one of the, you know, <laughs> best-selling yet corniest groups in history. You mm. know, you can't knock that. Yeah. And I'm pretty. I guess it's pretty safe to say that Don's not gonna listen to the show, right? Am I safe with that Don Henley story? We're hoping to have him on. Maybe Let's not make that one an audiogram about Don Henley yelling at us for smoking weed.
0: (laughs) Tweet that out. Benny, this is how the podcast blows up. What, a beef
1: with the Eagles? (laughs) Ah, fuck it. It's not the Eagles I would have thought.
0: (laughs) I want to get in a beef with Joe Walsh. Actually, no, I'd rather go to his. He has these crazy jam charity events where, like, these like LA bands like 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 your Himes, like all of them kinda of just get up there and, and jam. Jam. Yeah. So that's a kinda of, I don't know how we do that from Jersey City, get in that kind of circle, but I
1: feel like that'd be good for the pod. Hey, listen, I'll I'll make a couple calls to some management. See, I might be able to snake my way into through the Eagles somehow. <laughs> You're gonna be the next
0: drummer of the Eagles, and I can't wait till people play this back. And Benny Horowitz, next drummer for the Eagles, like shits on. Oh man. That's
1: hey, great. fuck it. If they give me the one million dollar Rob Trujillo signing bonus, then I'll we're take, building the
0: studio. We I gotta can, build the studio. Come on, I'll be an Eagle. IP Codex and everything for I'll you on fucking, the road.
1: I'll be Randall Cunningham for that much money.
0: God damn. All right, Benny, final story for us for today. A video went viral this past week of a man sitting in the back row of a plane, not having it as the woman in front of him went to put back her seat. He slammed on the seat in front of him, and the whole thing really created more of a stir on Twitter than I thought. No, 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 not even that feud. There is, like, him being mad at her and I, I don't know what the vice versa was there, but people on the internet, the the real class difference of people that are like, she has every right to put her seat back, she paid for it, compared to the guy, to, compared to the people that are like, you never put your seat back. Me, personally, I'm in team, never put your seat back. Now, sometimes it happens by accident. That lady could have done it by accident, but also... I mean, sometimes it's very difficult not to get the last seat of the plane, especially if you're trying to fly on the low. But, man, sometimes maybe maybe spend a little bit more and not sit in the last row of the plane. Because the way that a lot of these airlines have it, it is like they have there's a bunch of seats there. So maybe he procrastinated a little, little bit. I don't know. I think that there's always a way to fly affordably without sitting in the back of the plane.
1: Sure. I mean, and I don't always, you know what? That seat also very close to the exit, close to a bathroom. Mm. You know, what I mean, there's some upsides yeah. to that seat. It's not the worst seat, right? Uh, but anyway, that, that's not neither here nor there. Mm. Like, so I've flown a lot, yeah, and I'm nearly six foot four. This oh. is a very sensitive topic for me. I've <laughs> dealt. I've literally been on flights where I'm like, all right. <sighs> We got fucking 10 hours ahead of us, blah, blah, blah. And right in front of me, someone just puts their head in my fucking lap. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, great. You know, that's awesome. And when I first started flying, I I didn't really know the etiquette as much. I didn't know what you were supposed to do. I never reclined. I was always like a, I'm ultra respectful to everybody else. But after like 40 or 50 times of people being very willy-nilly with me, I, you know, started to not change, but I'll recline like a little. If I actually want to sleep, I'll give it like a little boost. I'll do this, but I won't knock it all the way back. That's just too much. But at this point, in one way, I relate to this guy. And I do something fairly similar. I'll be honest, okay? When I first get onto a flight and someone's in front of me, and it looks to me as if they're suspect for a recline. I just plant my knees on the back. oh, Not moving. Yeah. Not moving. Just plant them there. And for the first 30 minutes of the flight, I leave them there. I wait till cruising altitude when they take off the seatbelt. <laughs> and I watch them try to recline. And I got the knees there. Many people think their recline function is broken. And they stop trying. This is, it's been successful a lot of times and I've actually gotten away with it. Now, I've been had a couple times. I've gone up to go to the bathroom, came back nice. and they were in my lap. Oh, man. Uh, now, if someone's sleeping, I'll try to give them a little wiggle room. I'll try to work with it. If somebody is awake, I will now tap them on the shoulder so they can see me. And I say, excuse me, I'm very tall do you mind giving me a couple more inches? And I've never been denied. I'm cool about it. Luckily, I'm a gigantic person who looks a little scary to most people. So (laughs) I think that helps too. But so I tell this story for the fact that like, I've flown enough that I relate to this guy's struggle. I want that to be clear. Yeah. Like, I've been very mad at people who have reclined. Same. I've taken efforts to stop those people, as I'm explaining. I've also taken, you know, action, where I've told people to please move and things like that. That being said, this guy is a punk. The biggest punk I've ever seen, and let me tell you why. If I'm sitting in that seat in front of him, you think that guy's still punching the back of the seat? <laughs> I'm serious. No. What do you think? No, no, I don't. Like, if a grown man was sitting yeah. in that seat, do you think that guy is sitting there all willy-nilly tapping that seat right. trying to be a fucking dick like that? Yeah. No. Like, 100% right. no. And that's where I'm strictly in the camp of, fuck that guy. Because it's borderline assault. He's using his, like, adult male... I don't want to say privilege. I don't know what the word is in that. White male privilege. Yeah, but he's using that to make a super obnoxious point to somebody he knows he can do that to. Yeah. And I found that part of it, the fact that he's just looking down on his phone with his earbuds in, just passively, aggressively punching this seat. Yeah. Come on, man.
0: And then you know, if she like, would have turned around and actually say something, he would have stopped.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like, grow the fuck up. Say something. Just be a normal person about it. Yeah. And not this, like, little punk. Like, that is the biggest issue I had with that video. It's not... The, uh, the fact that they had a confrontation over seat reclining makes perfect sense. Hmm. Like, airplanes, they've literally designed them... To to pull away our centimeters and inches to yeah. squeeze as many fucking people in there as possible. I th- literally think in the last twenty years since I've been flying, planes have gotten smaller. Yeah, it feels seats like have gotten it, right? smaller. Like they're just squeezing more and more in. They're making your experience worse and worse. So these uh, things that happen between people when you start, you know, like. <laughs> putting an airport into it and security and booze and waiting and claustrophobia and anxiety, like all the things that go into flying. It's like a recipe for disaster in a lot of ways. But all that being said, fuck that guy. And uh, I hope that he got enough tweets or Instagrams from the non-fucking-cis crowd (laughs) who who called him out on that because I don't like it at all. Just
0: be mindful. That guy was wrong, but I also think the woman was wrong a little bit. That guy was a child. The way he handled it. Oh, but also, you know, don't put your seat back. Everybody's struggling for for room. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. If it happens by accident, that's one thing because that happens a lot. But what's the solution? Should planes just pull the recline function? Have we has has this incident made? Humanity lose the recline function. I mean, huh. maybe you know if people can't handle the toys they're given. Yeah. You brought up the dollar slice take before of the child airline. Oh. I think it'd be a interesting. You have recline a plane no airline. Recline plane. No, with just you know like larger seats. Maybe like you pay for the luxury of it's like commercial air. And I don't know how the heck you would do this, but maybe it's like a futon. <laughs> and it's like you have your whole little area there. I don't know. Sounds very nice. Yeah, it does sound nice. All right. <laughs> we we we've normally I say we've run out, out out of real estate. I think we've run out of steam. Let's hit up the mailbag. <laughs>
1: you have got mail.
0: All right, Benny. This comes from Matt and he wants to know after our Ben Lyons conversation yesterday. What the worst kind of industry
1: event you ever had to go to was? Uh, Oh, wow. So I don't want to say it was the worst because the actual event was cool. Yeah. I got to go to a Noel Gallagher from Oasis listening party. Okay. Now these things are designed, they're usually in like, you know, the floor of a fancy hotel, Mm -hmm. something like that drinks people dress nice acting very cool and after the hobnobbery <laughs> uh people listen to the album you know they play the new album over the loudspeaker it's supposed to be you know the wet the whistle of industry tastemakers to start saying it's good to people and what i realized is like i'm in the middle of this room kind of jamming on the new Noel gallagher no one's listening to the record everyone's just drinking and doing these things and it's really corny And I had, uh, someone who, who, uh, was working with the band at that time from a label had come up to me and said, Benny, you have to come meet Noel. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm all right, man. Like, like, you know, like that's good. You know, it's good. And he, he was very persistent. So I said, okay, he walks up. Noel Gallagher is in mid conversation, literally engaged with someone and this guy just taps on his shoulder cuts him off right in the middle it's like no no you have to meet this is benny from the guy he didn't give a shit didn't know who i was i was mortally embarrassed like i was like kind of like hey man great record continue on with your conversation please uh and and that went on that was one of the more mortifying moments I've had in uh in this scenario. I just felt really bad. I didn't want to talk to him. I wanted to listen to his record and leave, you know? Oh, that was I, a pretty that was a pretty weird one. I and then I don't s- do well in those scenarios anyway. I don't yeah. I don't dress up well. When I dress up, I look like kind of the trashy guy who has like one nice shirt like you know like i actually you can tell like i have one nice shirt and i wear it to everything and stuff like that so i always feel like a fish out of water anyway
0: uh, i had a similar experience like that with scotty pippen but we'll leave that for another episode <laughs> all right plenty of ways to get in contact with the show you can email us at the tuneup podcast at gmail.com you can follow us and DM us on Twitter, Instagram, at TheTuneUpHQ. You can follow him on Twitter, at Benny Horowitz. one Number one in your minds, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, anything else? Everyone
1: have a great week, and everybody love everybody. And please, don't recline. <laughs> this is Ben, The TuneUp. <laughs>